Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Matthew chapter 24. Got a few scripture verses today. And aren't we living in interesting times? We're living in very interesting times. Whether you're seated here in the room today, whether you're streaming in from home or elsewhere, um, you cannot deny that uh, there is so much happening in the world at the moment, isn't there? We prayed into um, what we see, factions and divisions in our nation, but also overseas we're seeing divisiveness on the increase. We preach tolerance and a gospel of tolerance, but we are becoming anything but tolerant of one another. And whether it be local, whether it be civil, whether it be national, um, there seems to be so much um, tension. We see economic turmoil, we see political turmoil, we see geographic turmoil. It's happening and it appears to be happening at a faster pace. It's not just in my opinion that we are um, seeing more of it. It legitimately is happening more and more. But for the Bible-believing Christian, this is not, um, it's not out of the purview of what we've already been told would happen. We shouldn't be surprised by this. The Bible clearly tells us, gives us the blueprint of what's to come. Matthew 24 is one of those portions of Scripture which, which alludes to that. We're going to jump around a little bit today. Um, but you're going to see um, uh, Jesus mention a couple of things in Matthew chapter 24. And it was when the disciples were with Jesus. Knowing that Jesus had said he's going to come back, he's going to return. They say, well, give us some, give us some signs of what that's going to look like. As God's people, we, we strongly, firmly adhere to the, not just the expectation, but the anticipation that the Lord Jesus is coming back. And he's not just coming back um, to check in on things right? He's coming back to rule and reign again. He's coming back. So let's go to Matthew chapter 24. I'm just going to read from verses 3 to 8. I'm going to go from the New Living Translation to start off with. And let's see what Jesus says. It says, later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return And the end of the world. Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming that I'm the Messiah. They will deceive many. Verse 6, I have this underlined, as I do 7 and parts of 8 there. It says, And you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But... Do panic. But don't panic. Don't panic. We should be encouraged. If anyone's to tell us not to panic, it's Jesus. He says, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. 
There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains, with more to come. What? What's going on? What's happening? We're getting close. We're getting close. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ministry of your spirit through your word. Speak to our hearts, not just to our minds, but to our hearts. Not just to puff us up with knowledge, but to move our hearts toward love and ultimately toward you. We don't want to miss you in all of this. May we see you, Lord. God's people say it. Amen. So we are indeed getting close. And what we're seeing at the moment, church, is that the earth is becoming increasingly unstable, very unstable. We're not just talking about one nation or one region that's becoming unstable. The whole earth is becoming unstable. In Luke 21, just verse 10, 11, and we'll come back to Luke 21 later on. Jesus says, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and plagues in many lands and there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. Aren't there some amazing things happening when we turn on the news and we see what's happening with the weather? We turn on the news and we see what's happening in the sky. Um, we, we, we try and explain away. I'm not here to say, well, it's because of this and it's because of that. The reality is it's happening. It's happening. And these things were predicted a couple of thousand years ago. We're living in very, very uh, interesting times. We see weather extremes all across the world, most recently North America. Uh, We see them in parts of Australia. Constant talks of bushfires and hurricanes and floods, eclipses. Constant discussion around unsustainable use of the Earth's resources. We see earthquakes galore on record more than doubling now in the last 30 years. Luke 21, 25 to 26, it says, There will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and here on earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. There's a group called the Council of Foreign Relations, and they track a lot of what happens, particularly geopolitically, in the world. I'm going to show a map from the Council of Foreign Relations. Um, They've just highlighted uh, perhaps some of the most prominent conflicts happening around the world. There's not just one or two. We tend to hear about just a couple if it affects the nations that are allies of ours. But there are there is so much conflict going on. If you look across in Africa, there's so much happening over there. In Central America, uh, these, are, these are massive conflicts. Not to mention when you turn on the news and you see cities burning in Europe. You see what's happening in the US. You see what's happening in parts of China. 
It's absolutely crazy. All happening at the same time. It's not just in this year or that year or this decade. All seem to be happening at a faster rate. It seems as though the contractions of these birth pains are getting more intense and more frequent. Ladies having given birth before, you will know the contractions. That the closer you get to the moment of, of birth, the contractions grow, they deepen, the frequency quickens before all of a sudden Bubba comes into the world. And so we're seeing this all across the world at the moment. Just to name some of those things, perhaps they're just dots on a map to you. There is civil war in Myanmar that's been going on for some time. Terrible what's happening over there. Territorial disputes in the South China Sea still. There's conflict between China and the threats there about Taiwan. Conflict between India and Pakistan. Significant unrest and instability in Afghanistan. Conflict between Turkey and the Kurdish groups. So we don't see a lot of these in the news. Some of these we do. There is significant conflict still in Syria, in Libya, in Sudan. Terrible still what's happening in Sudan and South Sudan. Ethiopia, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Somalia still going on. There is a big war happening in Yemen. We hear about the big one in Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine. Plenty going on there. And so for us, we tend to be sitting in a little bubble. And as soon as we turn on the TV and we see something that's happening in the Ukraine or see Israel, oh no, it's the end of the world. Try explaining it to these guys that have been living in it for a number of years now. Now, important for us as God's children to not be afraid. Don't be afraid, but be aware. Because Jesus said these sorts of things will happen. They've got to happen at some point because Jesus is coming back so very soon. Romans chapter 8, verse 22 to 23. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Why is all this happening now? Why is all this unsettling happening right now? Why is that happening? Well, increasingly as a nation of Australia or nations around the world, we're becoming unsettled, I think. We are becoming unsettled increasingly because we are taking our eyes off Jesus for a start. This is a natural byproduct of being unsettled. And when you take your eyes off Jesus, you lose that sense of peace. So here is a call for us to, again, fix our eyes on Jesus and know that the peace we get from and in him, we cannot get from anywhere else. We understand that, that when we take our eyes off Jesus, these things will happen. We lose our perspective. We lose our awareness of the divine. And when you take, when you kick God out of the schools, when you kick God out of government, these things will happen more and more. But more than that, even, we are on God's clock. And he said this is going to happen. He said it's going to happen. He told us, be careful this is going to happen. In the meantime, though, continue to pray for peace. Continue to keep your eyes on me, says Jesus, and continue to posture your heart in a proactive sense of purpose. This is not an accident. 
God's not up there freaking out going, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Oh no. Michael, Gabriel, help me out here. What's going on down there? I didn't see this coming. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and he is so cool, calm and collected. He knew this was going to happen. The question for us is, what will our heart response be? We are living in the end days. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. I read again. Read again for you. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. Can I stop for a second there? In later times. Are we living in later times? Yeah, we're living in later times. The more that history progresses, the more later it's becoming, the more imminent his return is becoming. But when I read that, I got to be careful because I can't just go, oh my goodness, there's so much deception going on in the world and people are caving. I pray that I'm not one of those people. I don't want to give in to false doctrines. I don't want to give in to false teachings. That, 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 that's me. It's only his grace that keeps me, that sustains me. I, to keep my eyes on him, I need his spirit to help me. And I pray that for all of us, friends. Because in five years or ten years, don't take for granted how your walk with Christ will look. Oh, I'll get back, I'll get back to the God thing down the track. I'll come back to him when I'm good and ready. Oh, when I finish making my first million, when I finish having all my kids and then I've got time to get back to church and I get into the Bible and I do. No, now is the time. Now is the time. Be careful what you feed yourself online. Be careful what books you read. Be careful the company that you keep. If it's a threat to your relationship with God, my question is, is it really worth it? That is the single most important thing to me, my relationship with God. This is what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I pray that is not me. Anyone see people wandering off these days? It's happening. We're getting close. We're getting close. Now let's go back a bit. Last week, we stood as a church and we prayed for peace in Jerusalem. Psalm 122 verse 6 directs us to pray for peace in Jerusalem. We, um, we see in the news... What's been happening over there, this all started with a terrorist group called Hamas in the Gaza Strip, launching um, some terrible attacks on, um, on Israel. And we see women taken, elderly people taken, babies taken, being used as shield, being physically attacked, all sorts of horrible things happening now. Now Israel are now firing back and now people are dying. More than three and a half thousand people are now dead in eight days. 
Hamas, the terrorist organization, launched this campaign uh, 50 years after uh, what's known as the, um, the Ramadan War or the Yom Kippur War or the, uh, the Fourth Arab-Israeli War. 50 years after this happened in 1973, well, 50 years later, Hamas launched another one. And um, it's gripped so much of the world at the moment. But why is this so important? Why is what's happening in Israel so important? Why that? Why does that get a lot of the attention of Christians more than other regions around the world? Well, when we open up our Bible, Jerusalem is spoken about a lot. And particularly when it comes to the prophetic clock of Christ's return, lots will happen around Jerusalem. So for me, my spidey senses particularly go up when I see, oh, Jerusalem's in the mix again. Jerusalem has been in the mix for quite some time, but particularly the last 75 years. What happened 75 years ago? In 1948, Israel were given a place that they could call home. In Ezekiel chapters 37, 38, and 39, we can read about what's to come. And I'm not going to get too far into it today, the Ezekiel predictions, but I will just touch on it. In Ezekiel 37, verse 21, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will take the people of Israel from the nations among which they have gone, and I will gather them from all around and bring them to their own land. So in 1948, after the Holocaust, where six million Jewish people were murdered, something happened which you probably wouldn't have seen happening anytime soon. Not long after the Holocaust, Israel, Israel were given that land. There has been argument over that land since then, particularly over Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been reestablished and accepted as, uh, as the headquarters of the nation of Israel. And I've been to Israel and I've seen there are people there that are struggling and that are hurting. I've sat with Palestinian people, Israeli people. I'm not going to get into that. But as a Christian, I do pay attention to what's going on in Jerusalem because the Muslims want Jerusalem. The Jews want Jerusalem. For Christians, Jerusalem is important. Now, what we see on the news is of particular note, not just because there's been tension over a number of years, but particularly of late, there are certain countries now involved in what's happening in Jerusalem, which hasn't seemed to have happened before. In Ezekiel chapter 38, we can read about Magog. Let's go to Ezekiel 38, verse 2 to 6. Son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, 
and I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you out, and all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed in full armor, a great host, all of them with buckler and shield, wielding swords. Verse 5, Persia, Cush, and Putta with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Goma and all his hordes, Beth Tagorma, from the uttermost parts of the north, with all his hordes, many peoples are with you. And then it goes on, be ready and keep you. And they're going to come, um, at some point, going to come against Jerusalem. Now, many people will contend, myself being one of them, that Magog is the nation of Russia. Russia. And we see with Magog marches a number of key allies, one being Persia. Persia is the ancient name for Iran, changed in about the 30s, I understand. So we see Russia and Persia forming an alliance to come against Jerusalem. Um, has this happened yet? No. But what we're seeing could, could, this is why I'm paying attention, it could happen. Who did Hamas come out and say funded their works? Iran, Persia. Who are Iran now in alliance with? Russia. You know, they are now a superpower, Iran, in the region. And only two times, as, we're, as far as we're aware in history, has Iran and Russia formed an alliance. One was in the Old Testament, we see, in uh, the book of Daniel. And today, of recent years, they formed a strong Alliance. In fact, it was Persia or Iran that supplied the drones for Russia in the Ukraine-Russia conflict. We see training from Russia toward Iran, and so we see an alliance starting to form. And why, why is it important for us to be aware? Well, because the Bible talks about this thousands of years ago. And it's important for us to not put our heads in the sand, Christians. Because we may not know the hour, but we can know the season. And it should move us, compel us, motivate us to not just think about the here and the now. Because at the end of the day, there are people going to a lost eternity. Now, I'm not overly interested if you're pro this person or pro that person. The question is, are you praying for them and are you trying to win them over to Christ? Because we want as many people as possible to know the beauty, the person, the power, the presence of Jesus as possible. There's no point in having this territory or that territory if you don't know Jesus. And so as far as I'm concerned, I'll do what I can to pray for peace and pray though for the presence of Jesus to be experienced by as many people as possible. Are you with me? After this happens and the nations start to come around Jerusalem, there's going to be um, a lot of trouble, according to the Bible, for Jerusalem. It says in Zechariah 14 verse 2, I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken and the houses plundered, the women raped. Half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. But Israel, the people, will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. 
God often allows us to go through experiences that would be brought to a place of repentance. And so we continue to pray. This is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 21, verse 20. Let's read that section. It says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance, to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there, this is where we go into what we like to read. <laughs> And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the warring of the seas and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then they will see, then they will see, then they will see the Son of Man come, coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place... This is where we can take heart. Straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So what is the Bible telling us? The Bible is giving us some sort of pattern for what's to, ha- what's to come. It can be quite tricky when we read apocalyptic passages, prophetic passages. Here is perhaps a provocation for you, brothers and sisters. Get into your Bible this week, the coming weeks, and see what the Word of God says about what's going on in the world and what that tells us about the season we're living in and how we are to respond as we read it. But the encouragement is when these things start to happen and perhaps we are seeing the last few minutes of the prophetic clock until Christ returns, perhaps that's what we're seeing, we don't lose hope. Oh, we look... Because our redemption draws near. Those that don't follow the way of Christ, those perhaps that are more secularist in thinking, even subscribe to what's called a doomsday clock. Have you heard about the doomsday clock? (laughs) The doomsday clock said earlier this year that we're in the last 90 seconds before a doomsday. But this was put together many years ago and showed us what was to come. And we're to not lose hope because Jesus is coming back. This is what it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 to 18. I'm almost done and we're going to spend some time in prayer. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So, encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other. Do you know that when we read the New Testament portions of Scripture and there was a continual pointing to Jesus coming back, a reminding that he's coming back, and exhorting that he's coming back, it was both served as a warning 
to live with a sense of anticipation, expectation, but also of encouragement that is coming back. And so when we talk about this that is coming back, may we be filled with, yes, he's coming back. And whoa, I've, I've, I've got to live in light of that reality that is coming back. So what do we do? We First thing, we can posture our heart toward prayer. We've got to have a posture of prayer, a prayerful posture. This gives me the blueprint, but like I said before, I can miss Jesus even when I read this. The Pharisees were guilty of it. Anyone can read this and miss Jesus. Lord, where are you in the midst of this and what are you saying to me? And as we pray, what, is, what it really does is it fixes our eyes on him. Oh, Lord Jesus, I need to not be afraid. I need to not be distracted. No matter what happens in this world, you've got it sorted. A posture of prayer. And what prayer also does is it keeps us alert and watchful. So we have a posture of prayer. The second thing which is important for us to have is a posture of peace. John 16.33 says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. God's in control. In the midst of the chaos, may we see Christ. The final thing is a posture of purpose. We've got to be purposeful. Not accidental. Not passive. But purposeful. Purposeful on how we live. Lord, what do I do in light of what you've shown me what about the lost people that are out there what about the hurting people that are out there what about the least amongst us what about the last amongst us have a heart that is purposeful here's a question i'd submit to you if if you knew that you knew that you knew that the lord jesus was coming back sometime this week How would you purpose to live? What would you purpose to do differently? If you knew that you knew that you knew somehow that he was coming back this week, would you go to the casino, spend all your money, go to the trots, go on a big splurge? Would you just go hide in a cocoon, go at home and just watch Netflix all day? Oh, he's coming back. And sometimes it's questions like that that can provoke a good response or maybe it provokes some unhealthy responses. But this is something we can take to God in prayer. So what I'd like for us to do this morning, we've got about five to ten minutes together, is I'd love for us to spend some time just praying. Can we do that? We heard at the outset of the service, we don't need to be overly concerned with doom and gloom or anything like that, but we have got to keep our eyes peeled and we've got to ask, what is the Holy Spirit saying to God's church and what is he saying to me? So what I'd like for us to do, if you're comfortable, is I'd love for us to break into groups of between two and four. 
just between two and four if you're comfortable. If you're uncomfortable, you can pray by yourself. That's okay. But for the next five or 10 minutes, I would love for us just to pray for one another and see what the Holy Spirit may be saying. Okay. Remember the three postures we want to have of prayer and of peace and of purpose. Let's just spend the next five to 10 minutes waiting on God together and let's pray for each other. And if you've got something in you that you need prayer for, just share it with the person next to you. Maybe this this conversation really freaks you out. Maybe it, it instills a whole stack of fear. Maybe not. Maybe as I've been talking today, you felt the Lord challenge you and speak something to you to do differently and you see someone to stand with you in prayer. Maybe in the next few minutes, you want to particularly pray for peace as we've been directed to pray for peace in Jerusalem well let's do that together Father we thank you again for your Holy Spirit your precious Holy Spirit who moves our hearts in the direction of Jesus always we thank you Father for what we discuss what we unpack even today but Lord even the prayers of your saints is not something that you will turn a deaf ear to you will always listen and so for this morning we ask Keep our eyes on Jesus. May we have a sense of peace within us and a sense of purpose as we live. We thank you for our church community. We bless you, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au